Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey guys, today on the podcast, we are talking with Maya from Build Yourself Workshop. And this episode is awesome. It goes really hand in hand with a lot of the conversations we've been having already on the podcast, like in episode 222, where we're talking about is community over competition a myth? And what does empowering women really look like? Maya has a business that's literally built to empower women through services, courses, workshops, empower women to have more confidence for asking for raises, that promotion, growing their own businesses and succeeding financially, and just being happy with the work that you're putting out into the world. She's a creative career coach, a designer, and an agent of change. She founded Build Yourself to help women in creative fields move past the obstacles that hold them back in their careers. And today, we're really just having a casual conversation about our thoughts on empowering empowering women, succeeding, and the changes that that makes in yourself and in your relationships, in your marriage, in your personal relationships, and how we can kind of tackle our self-sabotaging thoughts. And she gives some really, really great tactical new routines and habits that you can start implementing in your life to see these changes. She's awesome. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. And if you haven't noticed, this one is just me. Abby is on vacation right now, so she's off enjoying life. Lavender Fields in Utah. So I am talking with Maya with just myself, but today it's a really good one. Hey, Maya, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I am super excited to have you here. We were just chatting before we hit record and I was already like getting fired up about some of the discussions that we're going to have today. So I can't wait for our listeners to kind of get in on that. And I know you guys are going to get heated when you guys are listening to this discussion. I think this is so timely and perfect with the conversations we've had recently, both in our, my personal life with other friends and creatives and on the podcast. If you guys listen to episode 222, where we did our first 
series of our boss talk with Steph Crowder, we talked about the question of community over competition. And what does that mean? And what does it mean to business owners? And, and it's kind of disguised in this realm of empowering other women and supporting other women. And is it real? Is it fake? Is it fluff? And, and what are we specifically TCC? What are we doing differently to make it real and to make it effective in our business and in our community. And Maya, your entire business is literally empowering other women. And so I want to talk to you and just have a conversation about what it is that you actually do first. And then let's just kind of like talk the shit for a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I'm so, so excited to be here because this idea of empowering other women is 100% what I do. Like my business basic business model is designed to do that because that's what keeps me excited. So to kind of give a little bit of context, I run two businesses. I run and the main one that I run is Build Yourself, which is a career coaching and training program for women who are in creative fields. I work both with women who are business owners and women who are working in other people's companies and I help them. I help them on that intersection between taking action and playing bigger and then also like the inner psychological stuff that holds us back. So I find that, you know, like I think that there's two big components to success. And one is, you know, showing up and doing the work consistently, which is something that, you know, you and Abigail do like really help people do. And then the other piece is just getting like bolder, bigger. I love saying this because it's like taking back a word ballsier. Yes. Yes. Uh, like grow some ovaries is yeah, what I like. Exactly. I would say that in our house a lot. Exactly. And so because like life's too short to play small. Yeah. I love that. And I was reading through your website and some of your the testimonies that you've gotten from the people that you've worked with. And it reminded me of an episode that I listened to recently on another podcast that I want to talk about. So some of the like literal results that you've gotten after working with people is that they make more money, they get a promotion, their salary increases, they're happier at work, they're more confident to you know ask for the things, right? Mm-hmm. And in this space of advocating for women getting paid the same amount as men, having more opportunities, climbing the ladder easier, faster, the same, you know, all of this work that we've been doing, and it's been heightened a lot recently, especially in the entertainment world of actors and actresses, or actors as a whole, not getting paid equally for similar roles. And the conversation that I heard recently on a podcast, I love this podcast. It's not business related. It's something that I just kind of, it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. It's called Armchair Expert. Dak Shepard is the host and he has celebrity friends on and they chat about life and stuff and uh, mental health and addiction and all the things, celebrity stuff. One of his episodes he had with Ashton Kutcher was about how both of their wives are super successful in the entertainment industry. And they have now surpassed making more money than their spouses. And they were talking about that journey of getting there, though, and how I think it was Ashton, I'm going to mix it up. One of them was talking about how he felt like women don't have the confidence enough to say what they want, to ask for more money, to turn down roles or job opportunities if it's not financially lucrative. They walk away, men walk away easier because they know something else is going to be right around the corner. So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you help your people kind of work through that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we know because like social science research shows us that women are much less likely to negotiate than men are. They're much less likely, not even to 
negotiator to hold out as long, but to to even initiate a negotiation in the first place, maybe somewhere around two to three times less likely than men. So Sheryl Sandberg tells the story in her book that is always on my mind where she talks about how when she was working, I can't remember if it was Facebook or Google, but you know, they would be working on a new project or division and she would have guys who would be knocking on her door, you know, before it was live, just being like, Hey, hire me. This is why I'd be great for it. And no women ever, ever did that. And so there's this, this funny space where it's, it's about, you know, you've heard the expression, you know, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. But mm-hmm. there's some women who like don't even realize that they're like continually day after day after day, like waiting for permission from someone else to come from on high. And so part of what I like to work with women to do is to kind of reverse engineer that. And then to think about all the things that we might be waiting for permission on, and then to say, all right, how can you make an ask? I teach a class on a program on negotiating and advocating for yourself. And one of the things that we do in it, and it's based off of the philosophy of this great book called Ask For It, is that every week you go out and you negotiate or ask for something. And sometimes you have to ask for something totally ridiculous that you know someone is going to say no to. Because if you're not hearing... First of all, you got to hear no to hear that eventual yes. That's just how it works. That's how business works. This is actually the number one place that I see women and creatives get stuck in building businesses. They they really fear getting rejected. So they do all the Mm over-perfectionist things to put off making the ask. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, like, yeah, you can't get to the yes and until you get to the no. And also, you know, if you're not hearing no, then the things that you're asking for are not big and bold enough, right? Like no is a sign that you did something right. (laughs) Yeah. I remember, and this story is like a a perfect shining example of this. My mom 100% tried to raise me and was successful at it to be the type of woman that she wasn't and the type of woman that she couldn't be and struggles to be. And part of that is confidence and asking for what you want and say the things and like, just ask, like, what are they going to say? But she still struggles with that today. And she recently bought a car and it was a used car and we went to the dealership and she had me come along because she shuts down at all negotiation tactics, like shuts down, like literally it looks like she's going to throw up and pass out at the same time. So we're standing on the lot and it's a male salesperson and it's my mom and I, and it was, so this is the scene of like, you're going to like pay more because it's two women walking to the car dealership. You know, it's, this, it's set up for failure already. And so we're there and this man is so sweet. He knows she's so uncomfortable. He can see that she's like visibly showing all of these signs of like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this, but I want this car where she's probably about to be willing to just be like, I'll just pay more for it. So I don't have to have those kind of discussions because they made her so sick. And so he got to the point where he was like, okay, so what is holding you back from buying this car? Is it $500? (laughs) Like he's leading her to ask for something. And so she still couldn't do it. So we got to the point where I just kind of interrupted and I said, here's what's going to make the deal happen. And I rattled off like four things. And he was like, perfect. I can't do all of those, but here's what we can do. And so it got the conversation rolling. And it was just so interesting sitting there just being like, she just physically cannot. Where does that come from? Okay, so I want to say the fact that your mom brought you is brilliant because it turns out that women tend to not succeed at negotiations as well as men when we're negotiating on our own behalf, but when we're negotiating on others' behalf. For others. Sometimes we actually like outperform men. And so yeah. 
I can see that. And you know, so you could get frustrated about that and be like, oh, I got to be stronger, faster, harder, intense, right? And I, I actually think all of us should push ourselves to do that. But another thing that you can do is you can actually leverage that fact. So number one, I've had women who use, like pretend that they're negotiating for their salary on another woman's behalf and walk in there with that thought and they perform better. I've had women do that thinking, if I don't ask for a raise, like I'm not setting an example for the other women around me and pushing against the pay gap. So I hold them on my shoulders. I've had, you know, you can, you don't have to work for someone else to do this. I mean, I know so many business owners who, you know, you're sitting there and you're writing the proposal and the contract, and then you're just like, you kind of like, you're like, uh, and you like knock the the final number down before you send it out because you're too scared. (laughs) So what you can do is you can invite someone in, whether that's, you know, I have a, I don't call her my mastermind. I call her my business wing woman. You know, you're, I send my business wing woman, my contracts and, you know, tell her, that I'm thinking about pricing it lower so that she can tell me, don't do it, send no, it up girl, this way do and this. turn it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, you can do it yourself. You can also use psychological hacks to do it yourself, or you can literally invite someone else in, which, you know, I teach a, a workshop called the wing woman effect, which is all about the ways in which we can actually leverage our communities to grow through collaboration rather than competition. Cause it's just like, Life is short. Do it the fun way, you know? Yes. (laughs) And the amount of doors, like in our own personal experience, in our business and in my personal life that have opened because of like inviting other women to that table, to that space of collaborating and working together to achieve something greater. Like it's outstanding. I literally have never thought about like, was I able to be that confident with that salesperson because it wasn't for me, but it was for her instead? Like that. Yeah, I think it has to be. Yeah. Yes. Bring your best friend to every job interview. <laughs> I think it'll be fine. <laughs> That's incredible. Like you and you and Abigail are, luck, are lucky because you guys work together. But just because you're a solopreneur doesn't mean you can't have a wing woman, right? And so, like I, this person who I have in my life, we've been meeting. We met online. We, you know, have been kind of. We'd been back and forthing for a while. We finally met in person, and it was like business love at first sight. We run different companies. We, you know, I like, I would love it if I had a co-founder, but I don't. But, you know, we, I would say that what makes those kind of relationships work is radical transparency. So she has access to my Google Drive. Like she can use my contract language. She can, you know, like structure her proposals after my stuff. You know, we get on once a week and we push each other to play bigger, whatever that means. And so you can do that even if you are working by yourself. Yeah. And guys, like soft plug for our own stuff. We have many accountability buddy groups in two of our programs, the Goal Crusher Club and Strategy Academy. We built them so you can have your wing women. Like I know how valuable it is to have a partner literally sitting at the table with me, but you can make that happen in other ways in your own business. So go out and find that. So let's talk about, we kind of like briefly touched on this before we hit record, and I could probably spend an entire episode breaking this down. Let's talk about the effects of when women succeed and the effects on our, we've talked about this on the podcast and, and in a couple different conversation of the effects of that in regards to our personal relationships and personal relationships with other women and family members. And, uh, you know, when you when you pass people, do they come with you or do they stay behind? And we've kind of talked about it just in that sense of like shifting who you are as a person when you do become more successful. And I think it's mostly been so far the conversation in the sense of like, okay, when you make more money, are you a different person? Do you live the same kind of life? Do you leave these other people behind? 
But I truly think that there's an entire other layer outside of, yes, the money is coming, but that means because the confidence increased. And that means because your responsibility at work increased, because that means the impacts you're having on other lives in your jobs has increased. And that helps shape you into be a different person. So let's chat about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I love this topic because I actually think that you can create a feeling of success before the success happens. I think if we focus on the actions, not the outcomes, at least at first, I Mm -hmm. think you can get like a hit of success, even if the outcomes aren't yet happening. There's a lot of stuff in our lives that like the lag time to seeing the results is going to take a while, you know, especially if, you know, I know you guys have a a program on social media, right? Like you can't just like have Instagram posts for seven days and then all of a sudden get, you know, rapid feedback. So what I suggest that people do is that they get really clear on the actions they're going to take that hopefully match up to those outcomes. So for me, a couple of years ago, right when I was first starting this entrepreneurial journey, I very briefly worked on a on a startup and we had to do a ton of pitching and it was super, super hard. And so what we started to do was we kept a log of pitching and celebrated just like filling out lines in that log. And we didn't celebrate yes. whether we got a yes or no. Although, you know, over time, like we wanted to go back and say, why did this work? Why did this not work? But we would right. just be like, yeah, five more rows. Woo. You know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think first of all, if you do that, when you get more successful, like mm-hmm. that habit and that focus on output rather than outcome, I think will stay with yes. you. It's like a very modest habit, but it's also one of the most powerful habits that I think successful people have. Yeah. It's something, it's like what we talk about with a lot of our people who are in the service-based business and they're trying to land one-on-one clients. And uh, this mentality is oh, so rampant in this community of, okay, well, I built my services page and I have like a small portfolio. Why aren't people contacting me? Why aren't they filling out the form to book a consult with me? And I think people forget that it it takes some momentum in order for those things to trickle off. And we were in the camp at the beginning of our business. And this is what we tell other people. It's like, it's almost like door to door. You got to do grassroots style. You got to do the coffee dates and the email and the phone calls and sit down with people who might not be your ideal client, but maybe they know some people. And so our, our push for a lot of our audiences just have coffee coffee with like five people this week. You do not have to expect those people to hire you, but other humans know other humans. Like that's literally how life works. So just do that. And so if you're filling your calendar or your chalkboard wall or whatever it is, you know, being boss has their chalkboard method where they open up the space for the clients to take up the space, that kind of stuff I think can, can help snowball the confidence in making it happen. Yeah. Now, so the one thing that women in particular have to do is I know, and I, cause I'm actually working with one of these women right now in my coaching program, women are really, really good at having the coffee and never making the ask, never making the ask, will you hire me? Or can you make an introduction to two or three people that will hire me? Because we, it doesn't jive with our people pleaser. It doesn't side. Mm -hmm. It doesn't jive with like fear of rejection. Creatives are so good at avoiding fear of rejection by just (laughs) making pretty things instead. Yeah. We're just like, right. I have a business because my my business card and my letterhead is so cute. And it's like, nope. Like if you have a business with like nice brand, but no clients, you don't have a business. If you have a business with like no website, but a client, you do have a business. So we got to make those asks. And, you know, I have this one coaching student right now who her job every week is the way we're framing it is that 
instead of just waiting for projects to come to her, she can make a project by going to a former client and saying, I see this opportunity. Here's like the opportunity I see, like, you want to go forward with this? Let's start. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about what this would look like. Or she can make a new client by reaching out. You know, she's, she's, there's so many dream clients out there for her. So by reaching out and saying, Hey, I would love to work with you. Here's what I do. If you're interested, let's set up a phone call. Now, what we don't recognize is that, you know, our hit rate is not always like, we have to hear a lot of no's before we hear yeses. I mean, I am pretty good at what I do. I'm pretty good at sales calls. I have somewhere between a 30 to 50% rate of people who I get on the phone with saying yes. But like, I had like 30 calls last month. And and the majority of them, right? The majority of them said no, but I still showed up the Mm -hmm. next day and did it again. And, you know, I focus on like, for me, what helps is to just be like, oh, I just got to get up and have those calls, right? It's about showing up to have the calls, not about whether they say yes, because that's how I manage my, my inner critic. But, and I think if other people can do that as well, like in some ways, there's something about the numbers and just like checking it off the box that depersonalizes it. So it's not about you. It's just about like, like step reaching a quota. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We encourage our students when you're in the coffee dates and you're saying, okay, here's what I'm going to offer. Do you know anyone like this? Literally, can you email right now in front of me the introduction? Can you text me their number? Doing the action right there because people forget and they get home. It's not about you. But us as women, as creatives, everything is about us. The no was about our quality of work. The no, I don't have any ideas for you is because they don't trust that we can do a good job. Like All of these self-doubt creeps in. Uh, When we hear the no, we give it this bigger meaning. How can we start to lessen that? How can we lessen the the meaning of no? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you find that was so one of the things I have coaching students do is keep a journal for a, a week about all the times your inner critic pops up. Turns out that we we follow our inner critic. We think that it's God, you know, and just isolating it and understanding, oh, it says this. Oh, it pops up whenever I do that. You start to see its patterns and then you start to just, it's the number one thing you can do to feel less controlled by it. So, I mean, if, if you can't tell already, I'm all about rituals and actions and habits for yes. changing for, you know, new mental states. So, well, because we've been raised our entire lives and society and our parents and corporations and all of these things, like, to be this type of entrepreneur or creative or person or woman or spouse or whatever it is, like we have been sold this role to play. And a lot of the things that we're starting to do now go against that standard role. So it feels uncomfortable, not only for us, but for everyone else involved. Yeah. So thing one is like, focus on those actions because you get to take them with you when you're successful. Thing number two is, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, it's possible that as you grow in success, you're going to end up with some kind of resistance or self-sabotage habits. So, you know, some of the ways that that shows up is continuing to do it all on your own. So not being willing to invest in yourself and new systems and help to free up your capacity. Another way that I see people do it is there's actually this great story from a great book called um, The Renaissance Soul, which is a book about being being a successful multi-passionate that I really love. Um, but she talks about how there was this one coaching client of hers who had a hard time deciding to take a promotion because, you know, I think he grew up Latino and poor or immigrant. And he felt like by taking that promotion, he was going to be selling out. And so sometimes there's certain things that we may find ourselves avoiding or, you know, yeah, like you see it 
with people who are like refuse to hire a cleaning person because like that's not what people like me do. And so I would say like tap into that and really ask yourself, can I still be an immigrant? Can I still like it's a you know, can I is this new thing gonna give me more power and access and resources to change the game and really tap into that. Wanna learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. My struggle with hiring a cleaning person, this is, could be an entirely different conversation, is that... 
for me to take less off of my plate so I can be more successful, generally my only option is to hire another woman to come yeah. in and do those yeah. jobs. Yeah. Okay. So we And that feels icky to me. I know what you're saying. Well, a nanny, yeah. a house cleaner, all of it. You know, I have to say, I think we can't forget that those are jobs too, right? Those are like people, you know, so maybe you hire someone who is her own boss so that she calls the shots. Um, I'll also say, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, there's a study that I recently read about in a book called um, What Works? Uh, Gender Equality by Design. And in this study, they looked at women whose incomes were rising and were like eclipsing that of their husbands in male-female partnerships. And what they found, and economists would say, right, from like a behavioral economist perspective, that the more resources you bring into the household, the less work you're going to do within the household, right? Because you're you're contributing more bread. So you do less, you right? Like that's the rational thing we would expect to see. But what we see instead is that many women actually started to do more housework because they were feeling guilty about this like shift in position between them and their husbands and how things quote unquote should be in society. And so like, you know, I said, like, we may have self-sabotaging behaviors. They show up in all kinds of weird, squirrely ways that we're not even fully, fully aware of. And so if this is happening to you right now, like, number one, notice that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Number two, you know, I think it, it like, it's helpful to like start a conversation with your partner and you don't have to start a conversation around like, Hey, I'm doing more housework and doing more this and doing more that. But instead you think about it as like, okay, like, we actually turns out the word we is a great word for women to use in negotiations because women can get pushback, pushback when we advocate use solely for ourselves. For I. For I exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we want for the household. Like here's where I'm struggling. You know, my business is being, I'm finding that I'm hitting this limit with my business because of X, Y, and Z. And I know that like, I can't hit the next level, which will be good for us unless I can free up that capacity. And so starting it that way. And then also one of the resistance strategies that sometimes we see men use is they're like, yeah, sure. I'll, you know, there are many great men out there, but like, yeah, sure. Who really do their fair share, but like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll do the laundry or whatever. And then it's like, it's like sloppily folded and whatever, which is kind of like, it's like, they're kind of like phoning it in. And so what I suggest is instead of like taking it back on your plate, just saying like, okay, first of all, maybe you need to lower your standards a little bit. Like maybe the, like everything doesn't have to be folded in like Marie Kondo style in your like toddler's, <laughs> <Right>. toddler's <laughs> drawer. And then secondly, like agree and make it like a discussion between the two of you about what the standard should be and then yeah. offer to help, but do not swoop back in to take the work. Yeah. I think, and whether this has shown as self-sabotaging yet, I, I don't know the effects of this yet, but I have noticed recently a question that I've gotten from mostly family members. I think one stranger has asked me this question, but it's come from two or three family members who are very close. Like they know our lives, they're they're in our lives. And the question is something like, they see how successful our business is going and we publish our income reports. So if they're super nosy, like they know exactly what's happening and they know my partner's job and the relative amount of money that he's probably making. And they can see that I'm probably making more than him. And so they will come to me and say, does, you know, is Brian okay? Like, is he okay with that? How is he feeling? Be sure to tap, you know, tap into like how he might be feeling about this. And it 
I haven't done anything about it. I haven't had a conversation specifically about those questions with my partner. I've really kind of set with it of being like, like, yes, I want to care about his feelings because we're in a partnership and on a team. But like, that's kind of a bullshit thing to ask me. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes I, I see women who I work with and they like, they get frustrated with themselves about like, you know, they like take it like, you know, they like refolded the laundry and they're like, oh, why did I do that? And what I say is like, okay, like take a deep breath, like forgive yourself because, you know, you are carrying like centuries of women's expectations on your shoulders. You and your husband are carrying that. And so people are trying to help you out by being like, oh, you know, is this going to be good for your marriage? But what they're really talking through is, is they're talking from a previous world in which women could only get power through like pleasing the men in their lives, like pleasing husbands, brothers, like, oh, may, may I please do this? May I please do that? We didn't have the vote, right? We didn't actually have legal power. We totally didn't have financial power. Um, turns out, I just learned this a couple months ago. I think it wasn't until the 1980s in the US that women could get credit for their businesses from banks without having a, a male co-signer, which is like crazy, right? So I'm sorry. Totally crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. And so we're watching season two of Handmaid's Tale. And I can only handle like one episode at a time because that show messes me up. Like I watch some of the stuff because they'll do flashbacks of like, that. do you, I, do you watch no, the show? I know, at all? I know the storyline. Yeah. So one of the flashbacks was like before shit hit the fan, really. And the main character, Elizabeth Moss, was asking her husband to sign her prescription form so she could fill her birth control because she needed to get permission. And I was like, like, what is happening right now? Because it feels so real. And it feels so like women needing, and I'm not going to get into this discussion too far onto our podcast, but like getting permission for plan B, getting permission at a certain age for birth control from your parents. Like it is not that far off from where we are at right now. Yeah. 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 If you're noticing these feelings inside, or you've got like folks who you love, who are putting pressure on you to play smaller, just like, like, I find that it's easier to deal with things from a place of joy. So just think like, oh, like, I really feel for them. They're so nervous for me because they're, they're scared. Because they don't see what I see and what my partner sees, which is that when my when I'm happier, I'm a better, you know, a better partner, I might be a better parent. I like, you know, I well, and more, let's yeah. talk about he, he is living it up. Like he, he can like, he walks into work late, like he doesn't give a shit because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, this is his side hobby. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm now he is living his best life. So I'm like, guys, it's fine. Yeah. And I can't remember where I read this, but the biggest regret that men have at the end of their lives is not spending as much time as they wish they would have with their families. So it's not you versus them, right? It's not us versus them. Like this makes their lives better. We just have to kind of like, we have an outdated narrative. And the only way you get a new narrative is that you create new proof points that that narrative, like of a new narrative, you know, and that's what you're doing right now. So like, keep doing it. Yeah. One of my biggest things, and I've, this is a lot of therapists do this and I've read it in a lot of books. I don't know where it stems from, but truly it helps my anxiety a bunch. I, I, I have a worry, 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 anxiety big, but I, I like stop and ask myself, like, what proof do I have for that thing to be true or not true? in anything in life. And like, okay, if I'm asked that question from a family member, like what proof do I have that Brian might be unhappy about me being successful? 
is that a thing that I need to unpack? And there's zero proof. (laughs) There's all of this contrary proof to say otherwise. And so maybe if you guys are kind of going down that rabbit hole of whatever question you get asked, because I was asked similar questions when I first went out on my own of, well, how are you making money? And, you know, how are you going to afford the house or whatever it might be? Because it's from people's fears of if this was their life, it would make them nervous. And so they're nervous for you. So asking where the proof yeah, is. I love it. I love it. And one thing that you can do, by the way, if you find, if you're doing that inner critic journal and you find that you're really like struggling with certain things over and over again, write down like five counter evidence points. So for me, right? Like, oh, I'm so bad at, I don't know, like sales calls. Like, okay, here are my evidence points that I'm actually pretty good at them, right? Okay, like I had this awesome conversation with this person. This person literally said to me like, oh, 30 minutes changed my life, right? Like, like, okay, when I'm feeling bad, you know, when it's the day before my enrollment deadline closes and like, Two people have signed up and I'm like, why? Which, by the way, I know always happens. <laughs> yes. yes. We do it's the like same thing every out. launch. Yeah, exactly. It's the same exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, aside from all the other stuff that we were talking about, that is one thing I wish I could magic wand away because... <laughs> yes. Oh, Lord. Girl, it's the same thing. We've launched so many times in the middle of cart being open. It is the worst days cricket, ever. Cricket. <laughs> and it's the same for like multi-million dollar businesses. Like it's psycholo- It's the same. Like there's proof that there's a burst on day one and there's a burst at the end. And that middle, there's it's always a dead zone. Never fails though. Dead zone. I'm laying on my office floor with a bottle of wine. Like what is wrong with my business? Totally, totally. Every yeah. Time. And it's like, it's, yeah. So like you and I actually, we have inner critic strategies for managing that. Does it mean that the challenge goes away, but like, it means that like, you're going to get up and launch that launch again, because you know that it works. And you know, by the way, that if you have a failed launch that like you learn from it, right? Like part of, yes. part of being confident yes. is like treating your mistakes as points of learning. And then you're going to like get up and do it again. And like, it hurts in the moment and it hurts repeatedly in the moment, but also like you've been here, you have evidence that you will come out the other side. Yes. Yes. We have our assistant do this for us now, but we have a folder in our inbox. And whenever someone sends anything nice, she puts it in this folder. And that is literally the only folder I check in our inbox because everything else is garbage and it makes me anxious and makes me like worry about my entire business. But this folder is called nice words and we open it up and it's just people Mm -hmm. saying nice shit about anything. And it feels so good. So I read that a lot when we're in that dead zone of a launch or just when we're like in the zone of questioning, like, what are we doing in this business and what do we need to do next? And, you know, it's that moment right before you're about to pivot or the turn and you're just kind of like, what is happening right now? Because I do think there's such as being your own boss and it's your own thing, like you could literally walk away tomorrow. Like when you're working for someone else, like we've kind of talked about earlier, when you literally are showing up for someone else, you have more obligation to them and you feel more in debt to them and you show up for them. But when it's just just you, just measly old you, it's harder to convince yourself to stick yeah. it out. Someone once said, and it's brilliant, it made, made working for myself, I saw it in different a different light. They said, when you work for someone else, you outsource motivation and accountability to your boss. <laughs> oh. Oh. Isn't that just like, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, 
A hundred percent. You got to insource it back, right? You got to insource it back. But what's nice, and this is why that like pitching log really helped me was that it, I like outsourced accountability to like, I know you guys did something about gamification a couple weeks ago. So like, like I just outsourced it back out to the spreadsheet and then I just show up to do the work. And then I look back and I think like, oh, we wouldn't be having this podcast if I hadn't been, you know, reaching out to people who I wanted to be on podcasts with. And like, you know, you look back and you think like, oh, yeah, like the momentum happened. Yeah, because I just I showed up again and again, you know. Well, and that's why like we are on our people so much of not just your numbers, but like track your shit, keep track of what you're doing in your business, what's working, what's not working, but also just the fact of like showing up for the pitches and the calls and the coffee dates or whatever it might be. So you can see six months from now, a year from now, whatever, that all of that grunt work, the hard stuff, the uncomfortable stuff, like laid a foundation for your entire Mm -hmm. business. Because that's what it and does. I would venture to say that the most important part is for the motivation and accountability rather than, yes. I mean, getting the data later to know what works is, is useful. But, you know, I think sometimes perfectionists start to think like, oh, God, I need a CRM and I need a this and a spreadsheet. Nope. Like, nope. Put a paper on your wall and like Tom and yes. Jerry style, just like put a yes. mark every time <laughs> you like make an yeah. ask of a potential client or you make a pitch like don't think just like do and stamp right like <laughs> yep go get yourself some like the star sheets you yeah. give kids when they're potty yeah. training and go put it yeah, on your wall exactly oh and what i love to do and this can be one more tactic before we head into talk strategy to me i was chatting with one of our audience members one of our students in coaching last week and she was asking about you know, should I make the switch to this email platform versus this one? And I was asking, well, how many subscribers do you have? What are you using it for? You know, what are your questions? And she was kind of jumping the gun a bit. She she loved the capabilities of, of this platform, but wasn't using them yet and had so few subscribers, like literally like uh, 12, like less than 20. And, and so the data that she wanted to get, you could manually get, you don't need, like when you only have 12 people, you can find that data yourself. And I said, what I would love for you to do instead is make that a prize, make buying that new email service provider and unlocking its capabilities, a reward for yourself when you do X, Y, Z. And like, look at that type of stuff in your business as like, I will get to have this fun new thing because it is fun to learn a new system for some people. I love doing that. But like learning a new system and setting something up and like finding new shiny, cool things to do. That's exciting. So use it as something to work towards instead of just like, well, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So much better to like, take an action rather than to get overcomplicated about all the actions you could take. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that we just love to hang ourselves up and all the actions that we could take. <laughs> so I want to head into talk strategy to me. And I want to hear in my voice that's about to give out. <laughs> I want to hear three to five action steps that people can take this month to increase confidence, to hold themselves more accountable, so they can begin to see more money, a promotion, more clients, whatever it might look like. Cause we do have some people who are still working for themselves and working for someone else. So they might be like living dual lives. So what are some things to increase Okay. That? So strategy number one is to start a pitch log, 
um, and pick one thing that you are working towards. So if it's about landing one-on-one clients, do that. If it's about, you know, like if you're trying to do, it could be about, you know, getting yourself on podcasts, whatever it is, it should be the thing that kind of scares you and the thing that you know that you're a little bit hesitant to make the ask and that you're like spending your day, you know, like doing like kerning or, you know, like cleaning your office instead of doing that, that one thing put that on your list and give yourself a goal of what you need to show up for every week and make sure that you're actually making the ask. So don't have the coffee without the ask. Say, well, would you, it sounds like you could use some support with blank. Would you like to work with me and let that hang in the air and scare you? But like do that because it's not an ask if you don't let, if you don't make the ask and let it hang in the air. So that's thing number one. And then look back at it one month or two months later, you will be surprised. Strategy number two is, um, and this is around confidence, especially if your inner critic is like going crazy and getting you off track, start keeping for a week. You could even do it for three days, but I recommend it for a week. Um, Start keeping an inner critic journal of when your inner critic, when you notice your inner critic is telling you things, write down what it's saying. Just like write it down, notice it, don't get mad at it, just notice it. And I'm actually, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm going to be doing a free five-day challenge on, it's called Defeat Self-Doubt, and it's on managing your inner critic. And this is actually the first step of it. So if you're interested, you can go to buildyourselfworkshop.com and find out about our challenge. Um, if you get on our email list, you'll find out about, about the challenge. And, you know, it like bonus points for putting together, like do that for three or four days. And then, you know, if you notice that there's one or two things that keep coming up over and over... Give yourself that evidence list, right? Whether it's like that, like nice thoughts, nice words. Yes, nice like words. I think that's a brilliant <laughs> strategy. Or just like it could be on a post-it with like five bullet points and that's it. And you just keep it in your pocket. And then third strategy, and this is the super, super fun one, is that the next time you are making a pitch or an ask that scares you, you know, you're feeling the inner critic, use a wing woman strategy. So either A think about the way that doing this actually benefits other women or other people who you care about. Or imagine that you're not asking for your web design company, you're asking for your friend who you really want to see succeed. It's going to be much easier to advocate for it and to hold firmer. Or literally, like if you're in one of these pro in one of the programs, like reach out to your accountability partner. Like a lot of the time we don't feel empowered to really make use of the people who are in our lives saying like, yes, I'm here. I want to support you. So reach out to them and say, you know, I would love before I send out this proposal, I would love to send it to you and have you, I give you permission, push me to go 10% bigger. And like, just like, I'm going to need to just, even though I, I could put it up 10% for me, but I'm going to need you to do that because then I'm doing it not just for me, but like, I know that you're like cheering me on. Yeah. She pushed so, me. So, yeah. you know, next thing that scares you, use a wing woman strategy, whether it's like literally with a wing woman or just an imagined wing woman. Yep. I love that. One thing I want to add on to that, I just heard from my friend, Sarah Peck. She was saying, so she's uh, pregnant with her second right now and is tired and is running a business and chasing a toddler and all of the things. And she shared with me a couple of weeks ago how she is just saying yes to everyone that is offering something to her. So her friends or someone will just be like, hey, I would love to bring you dinner. And normally we're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. She's like, oh, yeah, that would be great. Here's what I want. And they'll offer something. 
right? And so she's just been saying yes to every offer of assistance, mostly to like, hey, yes, get some help. But practice saying yes to things that people are offering you. Yeah. So Sarah's actually a friend of mine, and I think she's like brilliant. And she's just like that perfect. I was listening to her podcast episode with you guys, and she's like, you guys are like, what, what's an OKR? She's like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, she's really amazing with those life experiments. And each and every one of these strategies, and I know you guys teach it this this way, but like maybe don't take on all three of them. Take on one, run it as a life experiment for a month, see how it works, and then move on to your next one. 100%. Yeah. Don't overwhelm you with self-help. <laughs> like, t- Take it easy. It's fine. Well, that was super awesome. How about you let everyone know where they can hang out with you and learn more from you online? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at, at Maya Sharfi. I'm also on Twitter. You can come to my website at buildyourselfworkshop.com. And if you go to buildyourselfworkshop.com, backslash strategy, I actually have a guide to the top five places that I see women get stuck. Some of the things that are there are are things that got picked up on in this conversation, right? Like not waiting for permission, self-doubt. And so each point where I see women get stuck, I actually have one strategy that you can use in order to get unstuck. And if you go there, you'll also hear about our five-day defeat self-doubt challenge, which is just totally a reset for upping your mind and getting bigger and bolder in your business. And I just will release so much of your potential that's like currently being held up by your inner critic. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much, Maya. Thank you. This has been so fun. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.